And we've been in this series that uh, it was awesome, I think, so far. It's called Him and Her. We've been taking, and the way we've been saying it is a new look at dating and relationships. It's been fun. Okay, the first week, um, we talked about basically the foundation. And the reason why we're doing this series, by the way, is because we believe as a culture, we're kind of obsessed with uh, romance and dating. And as that movie, or as that uh, transition video showed, that we just like, how many people have already seen Safe Haven? Come on. Lift it up, yeah. There's a lot more that have seen it, I guarantee. It's not like, okay, I'm not saying you're a horrible person if you've seen it or anything. Uh, it is our series graphic. Um, but we are obsessed as a culture, dating, relationships, romance, all that kind of stuff. And so the first week, we kind of looked at, okay, let's set a foundation. And so if you missed the first week, here's the main point of the first week. We believe that instead of going to the culture to see what we should believe about dating, that we should look at the creator of relationships. And so we said... We, we want to base this series off the first four words of the Bible, which are simply, in the beginning, God. We believe God created everything. God eventually, after creating a whole bunch of stuff on the earth and in the universe, he created a man and he created a woman. And he's the one that decided to put the plus sign in between the two and say, okay, I'm going to create a romantic relationship. I'm going to create a marriage. I'm going to create him and I'm going to create her together as him and her. And so instead of going to the culture, instead of going all over the place to try to find advice or some clue on what to do as teenagers, especially high school students, because maybe you guys are more involved in this scene than the people that are upstairs, we said, why don't we go to the maker? And so all of the first week was a foundation of, hey, in the beginning, God. So let's not look to anybody but the creator of it as we look to how to navigate through him and her. Second week, last week, all the girls in the house had my wonderful wife, Candace, teaching them. And I heard, yeah, I heard I got made fun of. Right? I heard uh, it was uh, blasted over the entire room about my crooked teeth. All right, I'm not cool with that. I got some crooked teeth. It's cool, okay? Guys, if, there's, if you got crooked teeth or something like it, okay, you can still score a hot babe like my wife. All right, just saying. Just high schoolers, are we good? Okay. Uh, anyways, I had the dudes, and we talked. We had man talk, all right? And then the girls had, like, girl talk. Who knows what you guys talked about? But we talked about instead of figuring out how to get a date, let's figure out who we should be as people, young women, young men, before we jump into a relationship when we're not supposed to be in one necessarily. How do we get each other right? How do we get ourselves right before we jump into a relationship? So those are the first two weeks. And so this week, we're talking about something that, here's the deal, it's kind of taboo, it's kind of weird, but tonight we're just going to say it right now, okay? We're talking about sex. Everyone cool with that? Everyone's cool? Everyone's just already like shrunk in their seats, okay? <laughs> it's cool, all right? But here's what we believe. At some level, okay, and we're not going to ask for hands raised, we're not anything. at some level, all of us have had some sort of involvement in this scene, mentally, physically, emotionally, and so we need to talk about it, because if we never talk about it in the church... And we never look at what God's word, remember, in the beginning, God, and we never look at what he says about this. Here's what we believe is we're all kind of blind people walking into a world saturated with this stuff, and you guys are going to get blindsided. And so, hey, let's talk about it. The Bible talks a lot about it. In case you didn't know, there's actually like an entire book about a man and a wife and that, okay, in the Bible. You're like, that's in the Bible? Cool. Yeah, it's in the Bible. All right? That's like the whole book, okay? That's the deal. And, and then as we're going to look at tonight, man, the Bible talks about it. So here's what we want to do tonight. We want, I want to have like a big brother conversation because here's what I, just in case you weren't here the last couple of weeks, here's what we want to do as leaders at Refuge. We want to talk to you as people a little further down the road, people who have made some mistakes, people who have seen the things that you're headed into, and we're not looking down at you and saying, don't be stupid, don't be dumb teenagers. We're saying, hey, we're a little further down the road. 
And we want to help you try to navigate away from some very, very dangerous things. As we said the first week, maybe some of you guys are headed down a road, and we want to say, get off that road because it's headed off a cliff, and you don't have a clue right now. And we've been down the road and maybe even off the cliff, and we want to come and say, hey, we're not trying to talk down to you. We're trying to give you some wisdom from a little further down the road that says, hey, this stuff's serious. And especially as we talk about tonight. So here's some ground rules. We're going to look at a lot of the Bible. I don't know if you tweet or you write messages or like me, and sometimes I text myself to remind myself of some things. Maybe you're going to want to do that tonight because we're going to look a lot at the Bible. We're going to look at a lot of verses because here's what we want you to know. The Bible talks about sex. As weird as that sounds. The Bible talks about it, and so instead of Scott's opinion or, you know, some church answer, we want to say, what does God's word say about this thing that God created? So we're cool with that? If you're cool with that, just go ahead and nod your head. Uh, here's the first thing you got to know. I kind of just mentioned it. God created sex. You're like, don't say that. It's like sacrilegious or something. Okay, it's true. Okay, and here's where it's in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. It's in the Bible. God created sex. If you've ever heard, I don't know what your church background is. I didn't grow up in church, and I heard this from what I, you know, some people that said they were Christians. Here's what I heard, and maybe you've heard this too. Don't have sex. Sex is bad. Sex and God can't be in the same sentence. Something like that. We've heard that. Maybe you've you've had conversations about that, and kind of sex and God are supposed to be like in two totally different categories, and like you pull one out at one time and never the other, okay, never together. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1. It says that God created sex. Here's what he said to Adam and Eve. Remember, the first him and her. He, after he created all the things, it said that God saw that it was good. Here's what we know that means. That means sex. God created this thing within marriage, and he said, it is good, and I created it. I created this thing that now our culture has kind of twisted and made bad, made taboo, made something that for whatever reason now we don't even want to put it in the same sentence as the creator of it. And that's bad. And so we want to look at, man, what what does the Bible say? And so I want you to tell you, if you've heard that before, here's what I want to say. That is religious junk that we we don't support. We're not saying don't put God and sex in the same sentence. We're saying in the right context, God made it and he made it good. A guy that used to be on staff here, he's actually one of the founding pastors at Hope. Uh, one of my good friends, a mentor to me, his name's Mike Lorne. Maybe some of you old Hopers know that know him. Uh, him and his family are now in Tennessee. I remember him one time, we, we walked through the book of Proverbs as a church, and he said something that has stuck with me for, I mean, this is before I was married. I mean, he said something that has stuck with me, and I want to try to relay that, just simple illustration. He equated sex with, like, fire. He said, in the right context, sex is good. In the wrong context, sex is dangerous. It's like fire. In a fireplace, when everyone's sitting around with hot chocolate, loving life, feet up on it, warming your feet, it's good. The fire is good. A lot of you guys saw the news on a a car blown up on the Las Vegas Strip. Maybe you saw the pictures this last week where that cab blew up on the Strip. And that fire on the Strip was in the wrong context, not good. Fire in a fireplace, good, awesome. We all love that. We download apps that are fake fireplaces, okay? Okay. That's good. Fire burning car on Las Vegas Boulevard, not in the right context, bad, dangerous. We believe the same thing about sex. In the right context, God said it's good. I made it. I created it. It's good. Wrong context is dangerous. It's a burning car. Stay away. It'll hurt you. In the right context, it's awesome. God made it. 
the very good God who created the heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the water, the bushes, the trees, the animals, the fish, all of it also created sex. I know that's super weird to think. Maybe you've never thought about that. But all you have to do is open up the first few pages of the Bible and see that God created him and her in a relationship. And here's what he said to him. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, I think we've all had the birds and bees talk, right? Are we all good? Being fruitful and multiply. There's only one way that goes down, all right? That's how God made it. There's one way that goes down. And so here's what God said. I want you to do this in the right context that I've created. And hey, I want to tell you, I want to tell the world that reads this Bible thousands of years from now, God saw that it was very good. And so why have we stepped into a new realm in 2013 where it's like super taboo? And like we, we don't like to talk about it and we say things like God and sex shouldn't be in the same sentence. Because here's what we believe. I'm going to put a scripture on the screen. We believe that God made sex good, but just like everything else, we have an enemy that twists it and perverts it and changes what God made good And he perverts it to be something that we think is bad. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10. We're going to look at both parts in in the whole verse in in a couple of different ways. Here's the first one. The thief's purpose. And we believe as we read the Bible and we see the context of what Jesus is saying is uh, this is the enemy. uh, This is Satan. The real life person that is in the Bible as our enemy. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Here's what we believe that means. Anything that is good that God made, his purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy what God made good and make it evil. Make it something we don't like to talk about. Make it something we like to go, oh man, that can't be in the same sentence with God. So what we want to do tonight real quick in the next few minutes is I want to look at two things. What does the culture say about sex and what does the word of God say? And here's, what, here's, here's what's going to leave you to do. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to go with what the culture says, Scott, because that's where I'm living, and I'm going with it. Hey, here's the deal. God gave you a free will, and that's your choice tonight. But my, per- my hope is that we would paint these two pictures. Here's what, here's what the culture says. Here's what's happening with that. Here's how it's working for people. And here's what the Word of God says. And here's how he made it good. And here's the road we want you to go down to avoid heartbreak and hurt and the train wreck that comes with going down the other road. But here's the deal tonight. You have a choice. When you walk out of the room tonight as high school students, whatever you're involved in, whatever you're wrapped up in, girlfriend, boyfriend, maybe that's down the road, wherever you are tonight, you can make that choice. The culture says a couple things. And you don't have to look very far. Even this week as I was preparing for this message, I thought, my goodness, this is crazy. As I'm standing in the Walmart line with Bryce, okay, that's awkward. Okay, Bryce doesn't read yet. I mean, he does read, but he doesn't read the things that I was reading. Okay, but when you're standing there getting ready to check out and you're like looking at the gum and you're looking at like, you know, the Doritos and stuff. And then you look over and it's like the Cosmopolitan magazine. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is on Cosmo right now? And it said, I, I don't even want to say what it says. Okay, you know what it says. Just some crazy things. Have you ever read the front of a Cosmo? Or like the other one is men's health. I don't know what these things have to do with health, but the things that are on the front cover of men's health, you're like, dear God, I'm a married man. I'm like blushing in the corner. Oh my gosh. Okay. And here's what I think is crazy. Our culture says, here's what you need to know. You don't even have to go far. You can be as, as young as Bryce and this stuff can be right in your face. Here's how you have great sex. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And as young as we kind of grow up in this culture of, okay, this is what the magazine says. This is what our culture is screaming at us. And so I kind of narrowed a couple of things that I think the culture says to us. And I think you can agree. Here's the first one. Our culture says to us, it's not going to be on screen. Our culture says to us, if it feels good, whatever it is, whether it has to do with sex or not, do it. 
I mean, if it feels good, don't have to worry about the consequences. You don't have to worry about anything else in the scene. In the scene. If it feels good, man, run headlong into it. Go for it. Who can stop you? You're your own independent person. Run for it. Go for it. If it feels good, do it. A couple of aspects of that. They say, man, it's only physical. Uh, man, you can go to that party and hook up with that person. It's only physical. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt them. It's just all in good fun. They made a movie about it a couple years ago, right? I don't know how many you saw it. I'm not going to ask for hands raised, okay? But it had like Justin Timberlake in it. And it had some other girl in it. I don't know her name. Mila, 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 all the guys. Mila Kunis, dude, come on. And here's the whole premise of the movie. We're just going to hook up all the time. I never saw it, but I heard a lot of crazy things about it. We're going to hook up all the time, and we're just going to keep it simple. We're just going to be, what's it called? Just friends, uh, what's it? Friends with benefits. All right, everyone was like super scared to say that right now. That's awesome. They were like, I don't want to be the one because it's like on my shelf right now, okay? Uh, <laughs> friends with benefits. And here's the whole point of the movie. They hook up, and I think what happens, correct me if I'm wrong later, not right now, because that'll like ruin my whole story. What happens is they hook up, and they hook up, and they hook up, and then guess what? They fall in love. Why? Because even our culture in multi-million dollar movies says, hey, it's not just physical. Stuff starts to happen when you're involved with somebody like that, and the culture says it's just physical, but they're lying. It's not. And anybody who's been involved in that scene knows that. It's not just physical. If it feels good, do it. It's just physical. It's not true. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and to tell you lies the teenagers are believing all day, and it's not true. Another thing it says is follow your feelings. Man, man, just follow your feelings. Your feelings won't lie to you, man. Here's the deal. I'm just going to be super transparent with you. I was 16 years old. I just, I just become a Christian, 16, 17 years old, just become a Christian. And, and like, I was like, man, saved by the grace of God. This is awesome. I love this Bible. I remember the day at Starbucks Coffee on East Earth, on Horizon Ridge and Stephanie, my friend Frank Tappy. A lot of you guys know Frank. I remember, I don't even know how it got brought up, but somehow the topic of sex got brought up. And he said something about sex in the right context is, is what God made. And he talked about marriage. And I out loud laughed, like out loud. I thought, that's funny, right? Like you're telling a joke, right? He said, I mean, that's what, that's what the word of God says. And here's me. And so if you're f- thinking this tonight, there, there's grace for you, okay? Because I now, as I walk with Jesus, I understand exactly what it says. And he taught me very, very humbly and, and, and as, as a leader should what the word of God says. But I said, man, that's not what people at basic high school are saying. I, I know the word of God says that it's for marriage, but my feelings are, if I love a girl, and this is real life, I said, man, my, my whole thing has been, once I step into that love realm, then we'll go there. Whoever that is, whoever that girl is, when I say the words, I love you, I think we're ready for that. I think we're ready to jump into that physical realm. Because, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it means, right? When you're in love, that's what happens when people are in love. And Frank graciously, humbly said, Scott, no. And your feelings will lie to you. Don't believe your feelings. Just today, by, by the way, I had a monster for like the first time in three weeks. If you know me, that's like a big deal, okay? I used to drink monsters like every day, all day, okay? But I had a monster for the first time in three weeks. And here's why I had a monster. It's because I told Candace when I was leaving the house to come to refuge, I said, I seriously need a monster so bad. Like I'm dying. I'm so tired. I can't wait to hear, feel it go down my throat. And it's going to like pump through my veins. It's going to get me all excited at refuge. I'm going to be super pumped up to teach about sex. It's going to be awesome. But I didn't really need a monster. Like tonight, I would still be fired up to talk about sex in the Bible if I didn't have a monster. But here's the deal. I had a monster, but I didn't really need a monster. But here's what my feelings told me a few hours ago. Dude, you need that monster. 259 It's worth it. Go to the gas station. Get it. And I listened. 
here's the deal. I didn't absolutely 100% need a monster. I, I went for it and I got it, but here's the deal. My feelings would lie to me. In that moment, dude, you better believe I was going to do anything to get a monster. But if I was here now without a monster, I'd be alive. I'd be okay. Your feelings will lie to you. And some of you guys know that. You guys have been in those situations with the opposite sex where you really thought, man, this is love. We're going to get married. We're going to have a twilight wedding. There's, there's going to be, like, awesome, awesome, like, you know, fountains are bursting as we're kissing. It's going to be amazing. And then, like, a week later, you're broken up. It's over on Facebook, and, like, the whole thing's a sham, right? Your feelings will lie to you. So the culture says, man, you follow your feelings. Third thing it says is, and God is a prude. If you don't know what that word means, here's what that means. God is not wanting you to have any fun when it comes to the physical aspects of a relationship, this sex thing. God is basically a big meanie upstairs saying, no, 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 I don't want you to have any fun. I don't want you to be a fun teenager and do what all your friends are doing. I'm shaking my big God finger at you saying, no, 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 that's bad. I thought the Bible was super outdated. That's what I told Frank, man. Isn't there like a 2000 and back then, like 2006 version, 2004, I guess it would have been. Isn't it like a 2004 version, Frank? Like, come on, this is like super old. Can I go to the Family Christian store and get a 2004 version? It's got words like dude in it. It, talk, it tells me basically sex is okay outside of marriage. Frank said, no, the word of God is timeless. And we're going to talk about what it says and how... Having the view that God is some prude up in heaven, not wanting you to have fun, is so damaging. And again, it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And here's the deal. In a lot of your lives, it's working. In my life, it was working. Again, I was a Christian. Some of you guys are here as Christians tonight, and you're not, you haven't bought into this whole thing. You're like, dude, this Scott's a prude. I thought God was a prude, and now I'm thinking Scott's a prude. And we go to small group, I'm going to think my small group leaders are prude. Here's the deal. We want to graciously... And humbly, like Frank did to me, show you from the Bible. Listen, God is trying to protect us from something super damaging. I've seen it in my own life. Some of your leaders have seen it in their lives. You might have seen it in your life, depending on where you've been and what you've done. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Because here's what the truth says. The, 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 the lie is that there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the lie is, man, the culture says just go for it. If it feels good, do it. The lie says God's a prude. We said earlier, God made sex. Here's what we believe. God made sex good, but just like a lot of things that we see in culture, the culture has twisted it and made sex God. Let me say that again because that was kind of confusing. We see that God made sex good, but our culture has taken something that God made good and changed it and made it God. You say, what are you talking about? We live in a city and in a country that literally, with their money, with their time, with everything they got, worship this thing called sex. I mean, everything we put in front of our face, everything we see when we drive down the strip, everything we see when we flip on the TV and the movies, we see, man, these are like, it's all over the place. There's like kind of a worship of this thing. Here's why. Because people really believe that at the end of the road, there's satisfaction in this thing. It's just the next step or the next, you know, the, the, the next level of whatever you're in. If I could just get there, I'll be satisfied. So God made something good and the thief came and steal, kill, and destroy. And the culture's twisted something God made for good and they made it God. The pornography industry is a multi- Billion dollar industry. Billion. 
billion. I mean, I'm talking more money is spent on pornography than baseball, football, and basketball ticket sales combined. If you've ever been to one of those games, you know how expensive the, the tickets are. More money is spent in the United States than all of those ticket sales combined. Why? Because the culture has listened to the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy and made something that God made good and made it God. We worship it. We think if we can just get there. Some of you guys who are single right now, you think if I could just get to this level with this girl, or some of you girls think if I could just get to this level with this guy, I'll feel a certain way, or I'll be a certain something that I'm not right now inside of my heart. And here's the deal. It's a lie. Ask any married couple in the room, any married couple you know, if you think that sex is the end-all, be-all of satisfaction, you are going to be very, very, very disappointed. But every day the culture tells us this lie. Get this, do this, go here, and you'll be satisfied. This thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And as we finish up tonight, here's what the truth says. At the end of that verse, Jesus says, my purpose, it's on the screen, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There's a thief. You know that. You've been there. There's a thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but there is another person in the mix that says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. A lot of you guys have maybe seen this on like those nice paintings at Family Christian Store. I want you to try to internalize it tonight. Don't just blow by this verse because you've heard it a million times. I want you to think, when you hear the word you, I want you to think about you, your life, your story Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Don't think about your mom. Don't think about your dad. Don't think about the nice Christian person you know. I know the plans I have for you, whoever you are who's hearing you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Here's what we believe. God created you. And not only did he create you, he didn't just create you and let you kind of go float around trying to avoid bad things. He charted out a course for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. Here's what we believe. God has charted a course for your life. And he said, I want you to go there because those are the plans I have for you. Those are plans for good and not disaster. But here's what we also believe is God's also given us some guardrails. And they're not guardrails to keep you from fun. They're guardrails to keep you. If you've ever driven up like Mount Charleston or when we go to camp, you guys, a lot of you guys go to camp, you're like freaking out when we're going around the roundabouts because you're like, oh my gosh, the edge is right there. There's this little guardrail in between me and death, okay? That's the guardrails that God set up in your life. Right off a cliff is the other side. God said, hey, I'm putting these guardrails in your life for a reason because I'm trying to keep you on this path that I have for you that is good and not disastrous. The other side of those guardrails, disastrous. Don't listen to the lie and jump over. Another way to think about it is traffic signals, stop signs. Next time you see a stop sign, I want you to think, okay, that stop sign is for my good. I think we can all agree on that. If you ever go to like, you know, Eastern and um, St. Rose Parkway at 5 o'clock p.m. If you've ever been there, okay, it's a mess. It's packed. There's a lot of things going on there. Just imagine if you were coming up to the stoplight and cross traffic is insane, and you go, you know what? This stoplight's probably bad for me. I'm just going to bust on through it and see if I make it. All of us would be like, okay, that's stupid. Really, really stupid. The city of Henderson has put up guardrails and stop signs and stoplights to tell us, hey, danger ahead. Don't go there. If the light is red... Don't go through. The light is green. We've given you the okay. 
to go ahead. I take my kids to, uh, to Starbucks um, right by our house right here on Silverado Ranch in Maryland. We get them in their little Red Rider wagon. They get all bundled up. They're all stoked about it. And we walk them. If you ever see, like, you know, a dude walking with two kids, okay, it's me, say hi or something. And so we're walking with a little Red Rider. And it's a little scary. That's what it's called, radio flyers. Is that what it is? Whatever those little cool wagons are that, like, go back in, like, the 60s. And so we're walking across the street. And, like, it's a little weird, to be honest with you. Even though I know it says to walk, I'm, like, with my kids, you know. And so it's, like, there's cars everywhere. And Bryce and Avery are just kind of doing their thing. And I'm walking across the street with them. But here's what I know. The sign told me to walk. Here's what that means. A little white guy came on and blinked, walk. Meaning, it's good for you to go right now. How stupid would it be with my kids to walk and say, I know it says don't walk right now. But the city of Henderson's just trying to take away our fun, guys. Let's go. Let's go and walk. No. Stupid, bad, not going to work for me because cross traffic is coming in and are going to take us out. Maybe you've never thought of, it, that, thought of, of God that way, but what if you looked at the commands in the Bible? And this doesn't just have to do with sex. Yes, we're talking about that tonight, but when you see a command in the Bible, things like no, things like don't, things like wait. I want you to look at it like Eastern and St. Rose at 5 o'clock and it's a stoplight that says, hey, I'm protecting you. Don't bust through there thinking you're somebody because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get in a wreck. So God lays out these stop signs, these guardrails, these things in our lives that say, hey, I want you to stay in the path that I've charted out for you. Don't try to jump the rail. Don't try to bust through the red light. I've charted a path for you, and it's for good and not for disaster. I don't know if, you, like I said, if you tweet, if you write things down, this is a really good thing to write down to put somewhere where you can see this. Because God has your good in mind. And when he tells us to not do something, he's protecting you. Here's, what it, here's how I boiled it down. God's no is protection, not punishment. It's a stoplight. It's a guardrail. It's a stop sign. It's a don't walk sign. Why? Because God's trying to take away your joy of being a teenager. God's trying to stop you from having like the good teenage life. No, he's saying don't get in a wreck. I don't want you to ruin your life because my plan for you is good and not for disaster. So when God says no, it's for protection, not punishment. The culture says there's no rules. Do what you want. If it feels good, do it. God's a prude. And I don't have to try to convince you, I don't think, of all of the track record that the, that the culture has. I mean, every day you hear of a new celebrity couple breaking up. They have all the money in the world. They have all the things anybody could ever want. And still they're finding heartbreak and they're finding not satisfaction in what the culture said would satisfy them. There's celebrities that I've looked up just in my study of this stuff. uh, And I read a book by a guy who kind of talked a lot about celebrities. That Celebrity like rock stars who are living the rock star life, single guys, could get any girl they ever wanted at any road show, anything ever. And here's what he says. Hey, I've come to the end of that road and I've done all that. And here's what I know. It doesn't satisfy me. Is he a Christian? Nope. He's just speaking the truth of the Bible that says, hey, even though I can get with any girl I could ever want, I, I find myself not satisfied. Because before that rock star ever existed, before you ever had your boyfriend or your girlfriend, before we were ever on the planet, God mapped out some stop signs and some guardrails, some things in our world that says, hey, I'm protecting you. I'm not harming you. I'm not trying to take away your joy. I'm protecting you. He says, Scott, I'm in that right now, and I've got to be honest with you. It's working. There was a point in my life where if I'd have heard a sermon like this, I'd have been like, dude, that's cool and all, but like, I'm in that. And it's like, 
it's working fine for me. Me and my girlfriend are in love or, or, or you know, I got this thing going on, you know, with myself that I'm fine with. And you can talk all that stuff and, and, and you can say what the Bible says, but I'm good. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The wreck hasn't happened yet, but get out of the intersection because it's coming. Because it happened to me. You say, man, I, I'm fine. I, 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 don't, I know God's put some guardrails, but I jumped the guardrail and I'm doing okay. Here's what I'm telling you. At some point in your life, the wreck is going to happen. And tonight, may it be a warning to us to get off that road and get on this road to say, hey, the wreck is coming. Because I can tell you countless stories in my own life and other people that I know that thought the same thing as you and they got in a wreck and it was bad. Lives were shattered. Hearts were broken. Carrying things now in my baggage right now that I... Wish I didn't have to carry because I jumped some guardrails. As we finish up, I want to read a couple of scriptures for you. Just to kind of show you, man, this stuff's in the Bible. This stuff is real. This isn't just my opinion. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, here's what it says. I'm just going to read the scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. God's will for you. That means you, that doesn't mean, again, not a, a big you, like, okay, talk about your mom, talk about your parents. No, this is you. God's will for you right now, ninth through 12th grader, is to be holy. It means to be set apart. It means to be different. So, in order to do that, stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. Again, he's warning. Hey, this is not child's play. Some of, some of us are still kind of children, and I'm speaking to myself even as, as a young guy, and we're like messing with some heavy, big things, the Bible says, and we're walking in and thinking we're big and bad, and he's saying, hey, this is heavy, heavy stuff. This is his will for you. God has called us to live holy lives not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. Here's what that's saying. Listen, you can walk out of this room tonight and live exactly what you want, how you want. God's given you the freedom to do that. But don't think, oh man, I'm going against what Scott said. I'm going against it in my small group. When we just had that conversation in small group, and now I'm going against it. No, put us on the side, okay? Because First Thessalonians chapter four says this. You are not just disobeying human teaching. You're rejecting God. And I'm not saying that as, you know, condemning. At one point in my life, I was rejecting God. I knew what was good. I knew what he set out for me. And I was jumping the guardrail. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. This is from a translation of the Bible called The Message. So it might look different than what you've heard before. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. That's what we talked about earlier. As written in scripture, the two become one. That's what it says in Genesis. We're talking about Adam and Eve. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That sex is only found in marriage, by the way. That's what that's saying. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. All others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled God love for becoming one with another. That becoming one phrase, by the way, all throughout scripture is, is, is about marriage. Again, a fire in the right context is awesome. In the wrong context, it's super dangerous. And it leaves people wrecked. It leaves people heartbroken. It leaves people in, in destruction. 
Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in you and through your body. God's no is for protection, not punishment. Man, I want us to get that. If you, if you get nothing else, know that any time, if you're a Christian tonight, you read the Bible and it says, don't have sex outside of marriage. Why? Because God's some jerk. No, he's protecting you from a car wreck. It says, don't do this or do this or wait for this or not yet. Don't look at that as God being a jerk and not wanting you to enjoy your life and give joy. But it's God's stop sign, God's stoplight, his don't walk sign until it's safe. Before I pray for us, I want to kind of give us a way to respond tonight. Again, some of you guys have dealt with this in the past. Or some of you guys are dealing with this right now, currently, with your boyfriend or girlfriend who comes to refuge, who doesn't come to refuge. By yourself in the room with the computer, you deal with something that has to do with sexual sin and what God says no to, not for your punishment, but for your joy later on. He's saying no. But some of us are wrapped in that right now. Here's what I want you to know. No matter where you've been tonight, and this is good for me, I'm preaching to myself right now just as much as anybody else. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life, whether you're in it now or you were in it five days ago or five months ago, God's grace is greater than your mistakes could ever be. Hear that tonight. Listen, this isn't me saying, oh my gosh, if you messed up, you missed it and your life is screwed up and you better be ready to take that to the altar of your wedding and say, here's all my junk. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that God's grace is greater than any mistake you could ever make. But just like Pastor Vance said this morning, if you didn't make the service, go to 630. That doesn't give us a license to sin because here's the deal. When people have actually tasted of the grace of God, they want to bask in the grace of God and not squander the grace of God. Okay, well, if I'm forgiven and like I can make a mistake tonight and God's grace is bigger, well, I'm going to go make a mistake tonight right now with my girlfriend. I'm going to go do that because guess what? God's grace is bigger. The answer to that is yes, but people who have really partaken of God's grace and really seen how awesome it is would never want to do that. So I don't know what that is for you tonight. I don't know if that's you saying, Mom, Dad, take that computer away from me. Take that cable out of my room. Get, get rid of this iPhone. I know it's crazy, right? Like you got rid of your iPhone 5. Yeah, why? Because I saw it as a total hindrance to my relationship with God. And it was God saying, don't do something. And I said, hey, I need to surrender this because it's better for me. Some of you guys need to do that. Some of you girls need to do that. It's like, but that's a crazy step. Yeah, well, obviously we saw in the Bible tonight that God takes this stuff pretty seriously. Not because it's trying to hurt you. Because one day we are going to grow up. We are going to get married. And we want to bring ourselves wholly to our spouse to say, hey, I walked in the, the, good, the good path that God laid out for me. I didn't blow through stop signs and blow through stop lights. And, and I, I, I wanted to, to preserve myself for you today in this moment as, as your husband, as your wife. Some of you guys who are dating people, maybe you need to break up. And you're like, that's messed up. But here's the deal. I, I've been in those situations. It's, it's nearly next to nearly impossible to stop. People try it all the time. Oh, man, we've gone all the way here, but we're just going to stop. We're, I mean, we're just, come on, we're just going to stop. No, you're not. It doesn't happen. So, man, that's super hard. Hey, I'm not saying you can never be with that person, but for some sort of time where you got to set yourself apart for God to say, okay, we need to totally, I need your grace to take over and totally restore this thing. Until that happens, maybe you need to break up. 
Maybe you need to stop talking to that boy or stop talking to that girl. Why? Because you want to be some weirdo that everyone looks as a Bible-thumping Christian weirdo? No, because you're saying, God, you take this stuff very seriously. And so I want to set myself apart, let your grace take over, restore the situation, and then maybe we'll see what God does. I want to pray for us tonight, but here's what I want is I want you guys to really think about some of this stuff. Cause here's the deal. Like I said earlier, I think every one of us has dealt with this area of life in some form, physically, mentally, emotionally, something inside of your brain and your heart and your actions have played a part in this sexual stuff that we all call our culture. So I want you to talk about that, man. In our, in our small groups, it's going to be a super safe environment. With dudes, if you're a dude, with girls, if you're a girl, you don't have to be all weirded out. Okay, these are people that have the same struggles and have maybe been at places that you've been that can help you. So we want this to be a time that's good for your small group. 